else having to rehearse the promises of God to not destroy the uh, earth again by flood this morning? I'm like, my goodness gracious, like, I know what he said, but it's not looking good here. All right, he didn't destroy it by flood, that's good. All right, cool, sir, we had a holy, how many of you guys were here for Holy Spirit night on Friday night? Boy, that sure was fun, that was awesome. And so some lady came up to me and told me this story. I guess it was at one of our healing trainings. I just thought it was a fun story. So she had a, a crooked finger, and she's a writer. And so they were going to have to break her finger and reset it and do all that stuff to it. And so at the healing training, she got prayer, and she said, like, the Lord hit her. Now, you don't have to. The Lord hit you this dramatically for you to get healed, okay? But uh, the Lord hit her, and she said she felt like she was going down to do a cartwheel. And so when she came back up, her finger was completely straight and healed. Didn't need the surgery. Isn't that fun? So... Any of you are feeling like an urge to do a cartwheel, just resist it and then check it out. Just see what happens. So uh, we're not making that a new formula. All right, we're in the fifth part of a series called Healing is God's Idea. Let's just start off with that declaration that we've been saying. Healing is not my idea. Healing is God's idea. I'm not trying to convince him. He's trying to convince me. Some of you didn't look very convinced, but that's okay. <laughs> Most of you are. That's good. That's good. We're, we're going to keep going at it here. And so um, what we've seen over and over in this series is that it's always God's will to heal. You're never going to be able to stand in faith if you're not even sure if God agrees with you, right? So that's kind of the foundation. It's always God's will to heal. God wants you well. And so Jesus said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus is perfect theology. He didn't just come to die on the cross. He also came to reveal the Father. He came to show us what dad is like. And so I think inconsistent experiences with healing happen when we try to get healed in ways that Jesus did not model or teach his disciples. People begin adding in all these hoops and extra things that Jesus never did. So Jesus never put sickness on someone to make them a better Christian. Amen. Jesus never postponed a healing because it wasn't his timing. He never made them forgive or get rid of sin in their life as a prerequisite to getting healed. He never broke generational curses over people. All right, that one wasn't as enthusiastic, but uh, I'm telling you what, you'd be surprised at how many people fight for the right to be cursed. Like, I'll teach them this stuff, and everyone's fine, like, hold on, curses, no, no, we have to do all these. Jesus never modeled that. Um, people just in the New Testament, they came to him with simple expectation, and they got healed. Are you guys ready for this good news? Nothing has changed. Jesus wasn't like, hey, here's how we're going to do it, and then it's going to get harder and harder and more complicated, and you're going to have to be better people. No, no, no. You come to him expecting him to help. Simple, simple. And so, so here's the deal. So if it's always God's will to heal, why isn't everyone healed? Anyone ever wonder that question? No? Well, we're going to hit it anyway today, okay? So we're going to talk about today. So I learned a lot of this from, I learned a lot of everything I teach on from Andrew Womack. And uh, so this one is, a, is definitely no exception. So Jesus, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. And Jesus' disciples are basically asking the same question. Like, why isn't everyone healed? Why isn't this working, right? And so uh, Jesus, uh, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 17, starting verse 14. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, who's they? It's Jesus and his disciples. So let's just read it like that. When Jesus and his disciples came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And what did Jesus say? He said, hey, listen, they're just, Padawan, they're just Padawan learners. They're not Jedi masters yet. Give them a little break. They're only green belts, you know. They haven't hit the black belt status. But, but you know, if you give them a little bit of time, they will not only heal your son, but heal hundreds. No, no that's not what he said. Here's what he said. Um, when Jesus, he's, figuring, he's finding out his disciples couldn't deal with this situation, here's his answer in verse 17. 
And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation. Oh, man. O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I going to bear with you? Guys, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. He says, bring them here to me. <clears throat> Jesus wasn't pleased with his disciples' inability to heal the boy. Okay, Bring them here to me, verse 18. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed, was healed instantly. Quick note, not everyone who has epilepsy is a demon, okay? But in this case, it was. Okay, and Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? I think it's a valid question because he, um, this is Matthew 17, 10 chapter, or seven chapters earlier in Matthew 10, he had already given them authority over every sickness and every evil disease. It wasn't like they're like, hey, we don't have the power. He'd already given that. So let's, let's look at that, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Remember, we just read Matthew 17 earlier. Jesus had already given them everything they need to heal the sick. So you can see why they're a little perplexed. Matthew 10, verse 1. And Jesus called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits. That's what they needed for this, this boy, apparently, to cast them out and to heal some diseases except for the ones that are really tough. No. And to heal every disease and every affliction. They should have been able to handle this. And so... Uh, not only had they had the power, did they have the power to, uh, to heal this, they had already had great success. The disciples were already seeing 100% healing of every single person they already came against. Can you see why they're so perplexed? They've got the power. Everybody say, I've got the power. Bum, 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 bum. Some of you are too young, but that was actually an awesome song. They had prior success. Listen to the reports about the, these same disciples, these same disciples who were asking this question Here's the reports the Bible has about these same disciples. Luke chapter 9, verse 6. And they, these same disciples, departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Mark chapter 6, verse 13. And they, speaking of these same disciples who were coming against this boy and weren't able to do it. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Okay, so these are not people who had never flowed in the power of God. They'd never seen the miraculous. Here they were followers of Jesus. They'd been endued with power, and they had a, apparently a 100% success rate up until this point. And so here we go back to Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Okay? And uh, notice, it wasn't because they uh, didn't believe that they asked this question. You don't go up and pray for people if you don't believe that God's going to do something. Right? So it wasn't that they didn't have faith. All right? That's why they prayed, for, prayed in the first place. They had already exercised power. They had seen results. And this is why they're confused. Yeah, it'd be different if the disciples got up and said, hey, um, you know what? It must not have been God's will for this one. Sorry about this. Or, hey, we don't really think anything's going to happen with this ailment. We won't even pray. That's not what happened. They had faith. They went in praying. They had a track record. And now it's not working, and they're confused. Can you guys see the picture here? All right. So, um, so I want you guys to see this. They, uh, they approach this boy. They exercise their faith. They act on it. They speak to that mountain, and the boy didn't get healed. Does this sound familiar to anybody? It's like you've stepped out. You believed. You acted on this thing. Why did it not work? We're going to answer it next week. Let's close in prayer. No, I'm not going to do that. So. <laughs> Everyone in here has had a situation in your life where you acted in faith. You stepped out. You believed. You declared it. You were holding on to it. And it didn't work. Can I, can I get a witness on this? Okay? I'm not talking about these people who pray, Lord, if it be thy will, and they're so clueless, they don't even know what God's will is. They don't even have, you can't have faith if you don't know what God's will. I'm not talking about those people. We're talking about, I'm talking about people in this room, we know what God's will is, we're going for it, and it's not happening. Okay? 
So why do you think certain demons don't come out? Why are specific individuals not healed? Why do some people not get financial breakthroughs? Why do people pray really believing, but what they ask for doesn't come to pass? Well, here's two answers that are both wrong. Okay, these are, these are answers that you a lot of times you hear. Uh, one is, um, God is sovereign, and I wrote a little song about this. And so you guys want to hear the song? So someone trademarked this, because this could get really popular here. Okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. We'll pray, and if nothing happens, we'll blame it on God's sovereignty. Thank you very much. I believe that was in the key of me. I don't even know what that was. So, I, I dealt with this more in the, in the killing sacred cows and those type of things. I think that the, um, I think this is one of the worst doctrines in the body of Christ. You're like, hold on, Jim. Are you saying the sovereignty of God is one of the worst doctrines? Like, there's whole movements. That's like their main thing. It's one of the worst doctrines with how religion defines it, not how God defines it. Okay, how God defines it, you know, sovereignty means that he's bigger than anybody else. His ultimate plans and purposes will be accomplished with the free will of men. What he say goes. But it's not that whatever God wills automatically happens. Why aren't some people healed if it's God's will for people to heal? Well, why aren't some people saved if it's God's will for people to be saved? Because we have a part. God's will doesn't just automatically bizap happen and we're these robots and it's, everything's fate. It just left to fate. There, there is no fate. There is God's will, and there's human responsibility partnering together with these things. Some people are like, well, if you believe in healing, why don't you just clear out a hospital? I'm like, well, as soon as you get them all saved first, then maybe we'll try that. Just because you preach the gospel doesn't mean everybody gets saved. There's a human part to this. How are we doing? And I already, I already talked about this. This is, this is a rough one. It would be so easy for somebody to pray, have nothing happen, maybe even having a loved one die, and to try to comfort them with, it must not have been God's will. So now it, there's no responsibility on us. It's completely on other people. But here's the deal, guys. God is not allowing sickness. The church is allowing sickness. Who did he give authority over every evil spirit, every, every, every demon, every sickness, every affliction? He gave it to us. He put a gun in our hands and told us to shoot it. I'm, gonna get, I'm getting to the solution side, but I want you guys to see. God's not to blame. I, I got to imagine, if, if God could be bewildered or confused, he had to be confused up there when people are like, God, why did you do this to my family member? Why didn't you save? And he's got to be looking at Jesus saying, didn't we tell him? We, 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 we gave him everything. We, we paid for it. We already said yes 2,000 years ago by grace. Through, uh, their part is through faith. Like, all they have to do is believe. He's got to be going, I don't know what more to do. We gave him the Bible. We gave him the prophets. We gave him the Holy Spirit. Have they read the Gospels? Have they, have they heard Baker? <laughs> so I say, not many have. I say people are staying away from our church by the thousands. I mean, so, you know. So that's the first reason when people, people say, well, why, why didn't God heal? Well, it must, have been, you know, it must not have been his sovereign will. You know, that, that's the, kind of the first one. That's wrong. Here's the second one. You guys ready for this? The second answer that's wrong is they didn't have enough faith. I'm building up to something here. Now, it's true that if a person doesn't have faith, it's, it's going to affect their healing. You know, of course, it, that means that you know. But that's not what was happening with the disciples. Okay, in every instance, uh, okay, we have, there has to be faith somewhere in the room. People are like, is it their faith? Is it the person's praying faith? I don't know. Someone in the room has to have faith, and since you're in the room, faith is there. 
Okay, so, so I, I, don't, I don't like to walk into a situation and start looking for reasons why it can't work and looking for reasons to, to blame it on someone. Listen, if you pray and nothing happens, there's no shame in giving it your best shot and missing it. The shame is when you begin pointing the finger at God and saying, you did this. You begin inventing a theology about an evil father. Listen, guys, if I put sickness on my children, I'd be arrested for child abuse, and it's disturbing for people to begin to teach that God the Father is like that. Are we all right? So there had to be faith somewhere, but are you guys ready for this? It's true that faith is needed for healing, but sometimes you can believe and not receive. I'm building up to something. This is called tension. Can you guys feel this? It's, it's called tension. If you're paying attention, if you're not paying attention, God bless you, man. So, so that, that's what happened to the disciples in Matthew 17. They believed and didn't receive. Look at verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Why didn't the boy get healed? Are you ready for Jesus' answer? Verse 20, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Do you guys know that you can believe and have unbelief and have doubt at the same time? Jesus didn't say the reason they couldn't cast out a demon was because they didn't have faith. They did have faith. That's the whole reason they were praying in the first place. It's possible to have faith but not see that faith produce the desired results because unbelief negates or counteracts your faith. Think of it like this. you got a horse, and it's got a big weight attached to it. Now that horse can pull that weight, right? Now imagine there's a horse of equal strength attached to it pulling the opposite way. You're not going to get any progress. Faith can pull the weight, but if it's counterbalanced or counteract by unbelief or doubt, unbelief is just doubt in action, okay? Or doubt is unbelief in action. It's a big mess. It's going to take you away from the promise. It's the horse pulling you this way, okay? Are you guys getting the picture? Some translations say because you have little faith instead of saying that it's because of your unbelief. I think that's a bad translation. Here's why. Like in the very next part, he's going to talk about if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So it would be really weird for Jesus to say, you have little faith. Hey, but it only takes a little faith. And so I think it's, it's, it's a hard word to translate. It's only used one time in the Bible. The New Testament is written in Greek, and so that word that some translations um, translate as little faith, it's a difficult word to translate, but it doesn't make any sense to translate it as little faith because the next part, Jesus said, it only takes a little faith. Okay, so the whole focus of this thing is unbelief. You can believe and have unbelief at the same time. So um, Matthew tells this story, but how many of you guys know sometimes in the Bible, um, uh, the same story is told in multiple gospels, okay? And so it's like if I was seeing something, my, I, I want you guys to welcome my mom. Yeah, my mom is here. Yes. I feel like I owe her my life, you know, and so she's, I'm so glad here. If I'm seeing something and my mom's seeing something, we would see the same story, tell the same story, but we might pick up different details. Mom would probably pick up the color of their shirt. I probably would look at the watch they're wearing. Okay, anyway, like so. And so Mark and Matthew, they're, they're telling the same story, but they get some little different details. So let's look at Mark's version of the same story. Mark chapter 9, verse 20. Are you guys Okay. It's going to get good here. And they brought the boy to Jesus. And when the evil spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Verse 21. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can. Like, do you know who you're talking to here? All things are possible for the one who believes. Interesting response, verse 24. Remember, this is written under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. What's this saying? You can have faith 
and unbelief at the same time. So in uh, Matthew 14, remember, Peter's walking on water, and he's going to Jesus. Remember, Jesus is out in the water. Peter steps out. He's walking on the water. He believes. Jesus said, come to me. He acts in that word. And then he begins to look at the wind of the waves and has unbelief. And then Jesus says, um, uh, immediately reached out his hand, Matthew 14, 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So he had, he had a little faith. That little faith was working. He's walking on water. But then he begins to doubt, and he begins to sink. Guys, the problem isn't that you need more faith. The problem is you need no doubt, no unbelief. I'm just going to keep going here. The 12 spies, remember them? The 12 spies. I, I love it when people call the, uh, the news network the 10 spies network. Isn't that like pretty much our local news? It's the 10 spies coming to you with all the bad things that are happening and Can I step away from uh, preaching in metal just here for a second? This is just, this is just, totally, I've never seen anyone walking healing power who feeds themselves on the news. You can't feed yourself on a steady diet of the 10 spice network of there's giants in the land, there's inflation, there's horrible things in the Ukraine, and there's the monkey flu and the bird flu, and I don't even know. The, I mean, salamander flu is next. I don't know what's even happening here. There's, you can't just feed yourself on all that stuff and expect to walk in faith. Some people knew more facts about COVID than they do about the Gospels. And you're wondering why. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be real here, guys. Some people know, have more medical knowledge than doctors did 50 years ago, and the enemy just has to put a symptom on you. You've already given yourself four diseases. The atmosphere of heaven is filled with confidence, peace, and joy. The atmosphere of this world is filled with fear, doubt, and unbelief. You will always release the reality of the world you're most aware of. How are we doing? I'm halfway done. So if you guys, if you've made it this far, just stick with me. We're getting into the solution side. I want you to feel the tension, though. Mark 11, Jesus curses a fizz tree. A fizz tree. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. Uh, you tap it and you get like the fizzy water. So Jesus curses a fig tree, and the disciples, they're shocked the next day that the, that the uh, tree actually withered. <clears throat> uh, listen to Jesus' response. Mark 11, verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter said, Jesus, it's just as I believe that your word said. And, no, that's not what he said. <clears throat> he said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you curse has withered. I'm shocked. I can't believe it actually worked. Verse 22, Jesus answered him, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea. Um, that's good. That's belief. Ready for the next part? And does not doubt in his heart. What's a doubt? It's unbelief in action. But believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received and it will be yours. It's, the, you can, it's, it's belief. It just takes a little bit. If it's not mixed with doubt, and then you can move a mountain. So I'm going to tell you a story. I can't remember if I've told this story recently, but I'm going to contrast it with almost the opposite failure story. Okay? So these, are, these stories happen almost within the same month. You guys ready for this? I've told this story before. So I don't know if I've told it in this series. I talk all day long, all the time. I'm sorry. I didn't look at my previous notes. I don't know if I told this story. But is anyone new here? You haven't heard this story. So I'm, I'm so glad you're here. I, I love new people. 
And so the, uh, so I think it's like 2014, and there was a college in uh, Grove City, Pennsylvania, and they were a Christian college, and in their doctrine, um, you know, they believed in the Bible, but in their experience, they didn't believe in any miracles, right? And so... So they start having a move of God on the campus, and the gifts of spirit are flowing, and so now it's kind of causing a big stir in the campus, whether or not this is for today. So somehow they call me and ask me to come and uh, debate this professor on whether or not the gifts of the spirit were for today. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know. And so they're like, um, well, hey, I, no, they call back, and they're like, hey, we're going to do a presentation. Uh, you know, one goes, and then the other goes. And I'm like, okay, I'll go if I can go second, and if I can demonstrate the power of God on campus. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, man, what did I just say? And so... Uh, I'm like, all right, so, we, so anyway, so we go out, show up there. I had kind of cheated a little bit. I got the professor, I mean, he was like, uh, he was the professor of Greek, New Testament, and exegesis. He was like, had 18 books, and I'm like, I'm going to get my butt kicked if we try to go scholar to scholar on this thing. So I listened to one of his talks, took some notes. So I get there, and he gives the same talk. So I'm like, oh, I'm kind of ready for some of his arguments. And so I wrote him down while he was talking and kind of got up there. And so I'm teaching how Jesus was the most normal Christian who ever lived, and Jesus did miracles. They're not impressed. So I started sharing some of our healing testimonies, people getting out of wheelchairs, blind eyes open, deaf ears open here in Ohio, not impressed at all. And so then this boldness comes on me, and I'm just like, listen, you guys think you're noble Bereans. I said, but you're a bunch of negative brethren. I said, noble Bereans eagerly search the scriptures to see if what Jesus said was true. I said, you've already, you've already decided that it wasn't true. I said, if the things I'm saying were true, it would be good news. And they testify to the very Bible that your doctrinal statement says you believe. So I'm hitting them hard, you know, I'm like... Like, geez, it was, anyway, I'm not going all that. And so it was awesome because the professor, right in the middle of this, he turns to me and says, I wish I would have known you, whatever it was, like five years ago when my daughter was dying of cancer. So his heart begins to shift. I said, sir, we're not seeing 100%, but I said, every story I'm telling is absolutely true. And so, um, and so we, uh, anyway, so it, it kind of goes that way. And so they had, an, they all, by the way, they were only expecting like 20 or 30 people. The whole campus shows up. We're in the biggest room. It's floor to ceiling, breaking fire code. They had an overflow thing. And so they, uh, they had an emergency board meeting of the college and, um, and said, no demonstrations of power on campus. I'm like, thank God. I, didn't, I don't want to have to have that kind of pressure, you know. And so um, and they're like, oh, but we're going to let you do it off campus at this coffee house. I'm like, wonderful. All right. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, I wasn't feeling like super full of faith. I wasn't like, you know, let's call down some fire on these Pharisees. You know, there's none of that. So none of that going on. And so that's Old Covenant anyway. Anyway, so, um, so we go up to this uh, coffee house, and we go into this upper room. I say there was 100 people there. Mary says 50 people. So let's just call it 200 people in the room, okay? <laughs> and so, so we get there, and it's like roasting hot in this room. Like girls are like ugly sweating. They weren't glowing. They were sweating, right? Or, I'm sorry, girls perspire. Guys were sweating. And so we're in there. It's roasting. And so they're all kind of standing there. I feel like they're like waiting for me to do like a magic trick. I'm like, God, I'm like, God, I don't have any. I'm like, let's just worship God. So worship God. You guys see in the scene here. Worshiping God, all of a sudden the power of God falls on one girl. She starts shaking, going, ah, ah, ah. I said, who wants what she's got? And all these people raise their hands. So now she's laying her hands on people. Bam. They're getting hit with the power of God. I'm like, thank God something's happening. And so um, this girl comes up, and she's like, I got carpal tunnel. She had braces on. I said, well, why don't you take off your braces so we can see if something happens, right? And uh, she takes it off. All the pain leaves, all the stiffness leaves, so yay, God. This girl comes up to me, and she says, I've got a glass eye, and I want a new eyeball. And so kind of half sarcastically, I said, is that it? And uh, she's like, yeah, that's it. And so I'm like, all right, let's pray. And so um, on the outside, Mr. Cool. Inside, freaking out. And so... Um, <laughs> 
So we're praying, and all of a sudden, her eyeball starts violently shaking in her head. And I'm like, hey, is like your eyeball like attached to something? Because it looks like it's moving. She's like, no, it's not attached to anything. And um, I don't know how else to say it, but I was aware that everyone else was looking at me, but I don't know how else to say it. Remember how it said Jesus um, hardened his face like flint. He turned his face like flint towards Jerusalem. In other words, it's like he shut out everything else, and he just he solidified his will. I like hardened my heart to everything that was going on on the outside, and I just enjoyed the Lord. Because, there's, guys, there's nothing you can do for an eyeball. There's nothing you can do for a cold. There's nothing any of us can do for anything except fix our eyes on Jesus. And so and in this one moment, I did something right. I, I, I hardened my heart to everything else, put my eyes in Jesus. And so there's a couple other people helping us pray. And after, I don't know, two or three minutes, I don't know, she says, I'm oh, feeling a lot of pressure in my eye. I'm feeling a lot of pressure in my eye. And I'm like, all right, you know, so... Um, all of a sudden, she holds her hand out, and her eyeball pops out into her hand. She opens up her eyelid. She's got a brand new eyeball that grew in. Yeah, yay, God, awesome. So I'm like, thank God they're not going to burn me as a witch, you know. So within that month, we go to do a healing service at this church, and I'm like, man, if God can grow back an eyeball, like, what can't happen? I'm like, blind eyes open, deaf ears, this is going to be awesome, right? And so <laughs> this one's not good. And so there's this person in the wheelchair, and I've felt all this faith. And uh, for some reason, I didn't even ask them. I went and just kind of yanked them out of the wheelchair. And because they were paralyzed, they just collapsed and couldn't even catch themselves. Just kind of fell on their face on the ground in front of me. Guys, it is not easy to have, like, how do you get out of that one? Like, there's no way, like, hey, you know, it slipped. You know, there's, there's no, there's nothing. There's nothing. I'm feeling absolutely horrible. I'm helping this person up, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's close in prayer, right? <laughs> you know, I, I remember, I think I even used this phrase from Acts 3. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and wine. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. So here's the deal, guys. Um, I had faith. What happened in that situation? So I read the story about Smith Wigglesworth. And, uh, he, and so I'm, I'm building a case here. I'm reading the story about Smith Wigglesworth. He was a great healing revivalist, kind of the early 1900s. And he would start off a meeting like this. Whoever needs healed, the first person up here is going to get healed. And so there's a story. There's this lady, and she's sitting in the front row. She's got a tumor so big in her stomach, it looks like she's nine months pregnant. She can't walk on her own. So she's, got, she's elderly. She's got two friends on either side of her, and they get her up there. And Smith Wigglesworth says, let her go. And they said, she can't stand. He said, let her go. They let her go, and she falls down on top of the tumor and lets out this horrible moan in front of everybody. And so um, I'm going to read it to you. And so uh, <laughs> Smith Wiggler said, pick her up. So they picked her up, and he said, let her go. And the two women protested, said, she can't stand on her own. You can't do this to her. A man in the audience stood up and said, you beast, leave that poor woman alone. I want you to imagine yourself in this situation. You're the guy praying. And you got someone's yelling, beast. They've been moaning. You know, does it sound familiar to the guy doing the face plant? <laughs> Wigglesworth answered, I know my business. You mind your own business. Then he turned back to the ladies and roared, let her go. They let her go, and she started to fall, but then caught herself. And the tumor fell right out of her dress onto the stage, and she walked out perfectly healed. Yeah. I would argue this. I had just as much faith as Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth didn't get any better results the first time as I did. Both people wound up on their face. What was the difference? Smith didn't have any more faith. He just had less unbelief. 
When it comes to ministering healing, it's not usually that people don't have faith. That's why you're there to minister healing in the first place. It's that we have unbelief. It's not that our faith is necessarily weak. It's this has been canceled and negated and counterbalanced by that unbelief and by that doubt. Faith just simply says what God says is true, I believe it. And you begin to act on it. I love this quote from Hudson Taylor, one of the great missionaries. That's where my son Wesley got his middle name from, Hudson Taylor. Great missionary to China. He said this to his wife. Every difficult time, he said this to his wife at a very difficult time in their ministry. You guys ready for this? We have 25 cents and we have all the promises of God. That's what I'm talking about, guys. Some of you might feel like, Jim, all I've got is 25 cents worth of faith, 25 cents in my bank account. You've got that and you've got all the promises of God. Faith is going to look at those promises of God. Unbelief is going to say, but we only got like 25 cents and the pain's still here and the doctor still has this report and the PSA levels say this. And Faith is relational. It focuses on Jesus. 18 times in the Gospels, uh, Jesus said something along these lines. Your faith has made you well. Okay, biblical faith was coming to Jesus, expecting him to help. There was times where they had to overcome discouragement from the crowd. The, crowd, the uh, blind man a blind bar message yelling, son of David, have mercy. And the, what's the crowd saying? Hey, let's get him to the front. Isn't this really cool? Jesus, they're saying, shut up. Be quiet. What did he do? He had to overcome the discouragement in the crowd. He yells even louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And he got his miracle. Sometimes they're overcoming obstacles. I mean, Jesus is teaching. They're tearing through the roof. And I want you to think of that kind of impropriety. Imagine as we're sitting here teaching, all of a sudden, you hear like a saw in the roof. Now, we got the roof repaired. Actually, it wouldn't have been that tricky when we had all those holes in the roof a few months ago. Actually, it would have been easy to get through the roof. We probably wouldn't have needed a saw. But um, I want you to think about like that, that kind of faith that just says, listen, we're, we're going to overcome any obstacles it takes to get to this. Let's fast forward to American Christianity, which is pretty much fast food faith, which produces biodegradable Christians. Their faith doesn't last past the prayer. There's these people overcoming obstacles, and it's like, oh, I got prayed for that person, and they didn't say it very nice, and they prayed too short, and I, prayed, I tried that once, and it didn't work. I tried it 10 times, and it didn't work. Guys, sometimes you got to overcome the discouragement of the disappointments. Overcome that stuff that's making you focus on anything but Jesus, that unbelief, those things that didn't work. And what about my aunt? She was the most godly person, and she got prayed for. What about this famous Christian, and they died of this disease and all these things? Guys, all you're doing is feeding yourself on the 10 Spies Network. Smith Wigglesworth wouldn't allow a newspaper in his home. He called it the Book of Lies. Wouldn't allow it in his home. He never, went, uh, he never read the Bible for more than 15 minutes, but he never went more than 15 minutes without reading it. You come to his house for dinner, he'd pull out the Word of God. What was he doing? He was feasting on a different reality and hardening his heart to this reality. Guys, there has to be a group of people, and I believe God is raising us up to be those people who are going to take this thing serious. I believe there's almost been like a spiritual anesthesia released over the body of Christ since COVID, where people are just kind of numb, they're not hungry, and God's waking us back up. Guys, there has to be a group. This can't be a doctrine. This just can't be something that we, I believe this or I don't believe it. This has to be like we're anchoring our hearts in a realm to see heaven come to earth because Jesus said so. The price has already been paid on the cross. The price that you and I pay is to labor to enter into that rest, to renew our minds, to to keep. He says he's able to keep um, him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. I'm talking about becoming those kind of radical believers. Some of you already are, and you make me nervous, and that's why I love you. 
We need to turn off those sources of unbelief in our lives and starve out unbelief. Romans 4, uh, Abraham. Uh, this is, Abraham was a character from the Old Testament. He was a, uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, Romans 4, 18, in hope he, speaking Abraham, believed against hope. So Abraham was like 90 years old. He got a promise years earlier. Now he's 90. Uh, he promised that he was going to have a baby. How many of you guys know there's not a lot of 90-year-olds having babies? His wife's 80. They already said her, her womb was dead. They get this promise. So this is speaking of that situation. In hope, Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as, it, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. That was one of the promises. Verse 19. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Okay, I guess I was wrong. 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Sarah was his wife. Verse 20, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. That sounds like a pretty good idea. Give glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This passage reveals that Abraham wasn't weak in faith because he considered not his own body to be dead. Abraham simply didn't consider anything that was contrary to what the word of God said. So many people are taking on, taking on lots, of other, lots of other things. Let's say that I went on a trip, a business trip. This, probably, this illustration works better when my kids were smaller and actually lived in the house. But anyway, and so, um, so imagine I go away on a trip, and I said, kids, when I come home, I'm going to bring you a present. This actually happened a whole bunch of times. Okay, I'm going to bring you a present. And let's say 100 out of 100 times when I went on a trip and I told the kids I was going to bring them a present, I actually brought them a present. Okay? And so, um, and now I'm on the way home from the airport, and I call Mary and say, hey, Mary, I'm on my way home, and tell the kids I got them a present. When I come in the door, they say, hey, Dad, we're so glad you're home. What would you get us? Right? What's that called? That's called biblical faith. They heard the word, they trusted that promise, and now they're acting on it. Now, imagine that um, I said, hey, kids, you know, same situation, 100 out of 100, we're going to do it. And uh, they, told their ki- they told their friends, hey, my dad's going to bring us a present. Uh, I don't know, Jim, have you, have you heard about all, or they told the kids, I don't know, I mean, have you heard about all the inflation that's going on? You know, your dad might not be able to afford it, and there's like a shortage of toys. And so, you know, there, there's a supply chain shortage. I'm not sure your dad's going to be able to do that. Now, if they began to consider what their friends were saying, they might not believe it and might not even show up to the door. And, hey, dad, we just, you know, we knew th- times were tough and we didn't expect anything and... Hello. I love it when the water goes right into the plug. I, I, I couldn't have done that. Is that bad? I, I don't know. I'm not an electrician. How am I supposed to know these things? So, How we doing? Adapt and overcome. I watch those military shows. Come on. It's actually the closest thing to military I've ever done. Okay, here we go. Wrapping this thing up, Mark chapter 9 tells the same story um, that we've been reading. It's Matthew 17. gives us a few more details. Verse 20, and, uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 20. And they brought the boy to Jesus. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed, it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. It did the same thing it did to the disciples. Okay? I think this is what caused the unbelief. Okay? There's an unbelief that comes from, like, the we, we looked at those uh, things that come from unbelief where... Um, you know, all those, uh, those sacred cows, you know. Uh, you know, you got to break generational curses. You're, you know, you don't have enough faith. And it might not be God's will. We looked at all in that last message, all those, those, those kind of 
religious unbelief things. But there's a natural unbelief that comes from what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. It's hard for your senses to take that in and still believe. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a hospital room where someone is uh, hooked up to machines. If you, allow, if you begin to consider how difficult this thing is and how hopeless it is, you begin to feed yourself on that. There's a natural unbelief that comes in through your senses. You guys hear what I'm saying? I think that's what happened. I'm not sure if you've ever seen an epileptic seizure. Again, just because you have an epileptic seizure doesn't mean you have a, a demon, but this one was caused by it. It's, it's a pretty graphic thing, especially if they begin to bite their tongue or swallow their tongue. It's a lot to visually take in. Sometimes there's you know, foaming at the mouth. And so these disciples had faith. They, they'd seen demons cast out. They, they've done all these other things. But, but they come to Jesus and they say, why couldn't, we, why couldn't we do this? Why didn't it work this time? And Jesus says, um, it's because of your unbelief. And here's the next verse, verse uh, Matthew 17, 21. Jesus continued, but this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. This kind. What's it talking about, this kind? A lot of people are like, well, this kind of demon, guys, um, the whole context of this whole thing was the unbelief of the disciples, not the strength of some super demon. So what happens when we pray and fast? It overcomes that natural unbelief where we're dominated by what we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. Fasting does not change God. Fasting changes you. Fasting is saying no to something good so you can say no to something, so you can say yes to something better. Fasting is... Not feasting on anything of uh, food or, you know, food, but it's feasting on the reality of another world. I'm considering something else. I'm dominating something else. We tend to live by our, uh, by our five senses. See, taste, hear, smell, and feel. Prayer and fasting develops a sixth sense of faith. You're going to need that sixth sense to overcome that natural unbelief of what you're seeing. And when the size of the tumor, the withering of the body, the, the, the surety of that report that you're going to need. We're going to need this sixth sense. Guys, I'm not talking about works. Listen, if, if what Jesus did on the cross isn't powerful enough to, to overcome a demon, your fasting sure isn't going to do anything. What Jesus did on the cross is powerful enough to, come over, to cast out that demon. The problem is we, the, God needs our agreement on earth. Just a little bit of faith and no doubt. And so what happens when we're praying and fasting? It's getting rid of that doubt. It's getting rid of that unbelief. It's making it so your body's saying, listen, I am run by what I see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. I'm a man of science. You know, my body has these needs. And you're saying, listen, I'm telling the body no. And I'm going to live out that uh, a man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you begin to get sustained by a supernatural force. You can actually fast and not be starving to death because you can be sustained by another. Jesus is fasting, and uh, they, the disciples said, hey, um, did you get some food? He said, you don't even know the food I have. My food's to do the will of the Father. What's he saying? He's actually being strengthened. I'm tired of this thing. He's actually being strengthened from another realm. It wasn't just some religious gas. Oh, my will's to do the will of the Father, you know, and it's so good. No, he's actually teaching us a reality that we can actually be strengthened by something other than food. How are we doing? You and I, we have been trained primarily to respond to what we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, which is okay most of the time. If you have a pilot, you don't want the pilot to fly by faith. You want them to fly by their senses, right? But you, will, you and I will need to learn to experience man shall not live by bread alone, by, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Instead of going by my appetite, by going by my five senses, I'm going by what God says. Smith Wigglesworth, I, I love reading stories of him, but that's what he did. 
He spent so much time in prayer and fasting in the word that he hardened himself towards that unbelief. I feel like we just need to break this lie right now that, boy, that sounds really hard. Ah, man, I just don't know. That sounds like a lot of effort. I just, I just, I just don't know that. You're having thoughts anyway. You're just directing your thoughts differently. Listen, if you can do this without fasting, you don't get any bonus points for fasting. Okay, like if you can think on purpose without it, but fasting just has a way of narrowing our focus. You're like, Jim, I didn't come here to hear about fasting. I'm ready for lunch. I am too. I get it. (laughs) I'm not begging and pleading with God to do something. I'm not fasting to get him to change his mind, to open his hand, to turn from his fierce wrath. He's already done all that. He's already said yes. Okay. I'm aggressively receiving what's been done. I'm standing against Satan who's hindering this manifestation, and I'm realizing, God, guys, the only block is on the human side of the equation, not the God side of the equation. If, why aren't people healed? It's not from God's side. It's from our side. And a lot of times it's from just natural unbelief. We're dominated by what we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And if we can just have this seed, this faith the size of a poppy seed, it's about what a mustard seed is, without doubt, We can move mountains. Let me read the closing verse. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. Mountains representing an impossibility in your life. And it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So this week I kind of introduced you to what I see as one of the problems is unbelief. Prayer and fasting is one of those strategies to get our mind right. And so the next couple weeks we're going to be kind of building on this. Uh, We won't be talking about prayer and fasting next week, okay? So we're okay. I'm not giving you an assignment to fast. I'm just simply putting tools in your hands, and as the Holy Spirit leads you into this, do it. But if the Holy Spirit is not leading you into it, there's not going to be any grace, and you're going to be starving and crabby. Ask me how I know. (laughs) Ask my wife how I know, right? She's like, go eat something, you know. I believe the Lord is challenging us to grow in that sixth, sixth sense of faith. And I think we do it by feasting. We feast on, what is, I love uh, uh, Psalm 23, 4 in the Passion Translation. You are my delicious feast. Okay, speaking of Jesus, you are my delicious feast. <laughs> and so um, let me ask you this. What does that environment look like when you're feasting on Jesus, when you're enjoying him? How many for you, it's like when you're out in nature, you just feel God? Okay, I'd encourage you, build some regular time into your life where you can go out there and do that and sense God and feast on him and get to know his reality. How many of you, it's like, uh, it's worship. You, know, you put on some worship music, you get your worship instrument, and that's that. I encourage you, build some regular time into that. Some of you, it's solitude. Some of you, it's alone. Uh, maybe some of you, it's, it's filling your mind with really good, uh, good spiritual literature, reading the Bible, listening to sermons. Uh, some of you, you know, it's, it's that solitude. Some of you, it's while you're serving. Maybe while you're serving the poor, you just feel Jesus. Whatever that is, guys, I'm just encouraging you just to recognize, listen, we need to become these people of faith that move mountains. And, uh, and part of that's going to come from uh, denying ourselves something good, fasting. But while we're doing that, we're going to be feasting on a different world. So let's stand for closing prayer. You guys good? Who wants, okay. Who wants to come try to use this plug with all this water in it here? I think it's literally bubbling out. So I had this picture uh, when we are uh, during worship this morning, and I was, it's a picture of a river, and the river represented 
all the things that Jesus paid for. And it was already flowing whether you did anything or not. And our job is to just simply go and stand in that river and receive everything. That's it. And so uh, there's that verse in Hebrews that says that we labor to enter into that rest. What's it mean? Whatever distractions are keeping us from standing in that river, from fixing our eyes on him, from enjoying him, from just that, that, that communion, whatever those things are, we've got to do that. So some of us, we, I'm not trying to be mean. Some of you need to turn off the news. Some of you need to reduce your news consumption down to just knowing who the president is so you know who to pray for. I, I know some of you are called to the government mountain and you need to know more than that. Um, some of you, you know way too much. You're feeding yourself on, I don't even know what, I'm Breitbart and all that stuff. Like there's, like, there's good news sources out there, but you just can't dominate yourself with that stuff. You want to know what you're dominated by, listen to what you talk about. Like how many times do you mention the word inflation versus one of the promises of God? And again, I'm not trying to be mad. I'm not trying to, I'm just, this is the world we live in and it's become normal. It's almost become normal in Christianity. If you aren't railing against all the things that sinners are doing, then you're not even preaching the gospel. Why are we surprised that sinners are sinning? When does this become such a shock? What's the solution? To debate them with logic or for them to see a demonstration of God's power and say, surely God is among you and have a choice, a real choice. Because now they've seen the real Jesus and not just the religious Jesus who's up there and just pointing out people's sins all the time. All right. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. And Lord, we just picture that river right now that's flowing from the throne of God and all the things that Jesus paid for are in it. Lord, I just thank you that in this river there is healing for every person in here. There is no need that is too great, no doctor's report that is too dominant, no pain that is uh, too heavy for you, to, for you to lift off. There's no financial situation that's unbearable. Lord, you are awesome. And so, Lord, we just uh, we, we sit in that river, and I just thank you, God, that salvation for family members, healing for bodies, provision and resources for people's visions and for their lives, protection from demonic, from, uh, from any kind of harm. And, Lord, we just say yes to that. And so we just, uh, I, I just pray that there is that, that spiritual anesthesia. Lord, I break it off in the name of Jesus. This thing that would dull our senses and try to make us think that just what we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, and that, that Christians would stop living like atheists as if there's no God and we just come on Sunday and punch a box. Lord, I just thank you that you are raising up a people who fear nothing but you. And God, that we love not the things of this world so we can be trusted with the things of this world. Lord, I just thank you you're raising up a people uh, with resources in the kingdom and resources in the natural to affect this city. So anyone here who you have a, a disease in your body, I just encourage you, we're putting our eyes on Jesus right now. You're standing in that river where he already said yes, and I command that disease off your body in Jesus' name. I'm encouraging you to just be full of lots of rest. Don't try to just focus on unbelief and get rid of that. Jesus, we look to you. I speak to that cancer, and I say no more in the name of Jesus. I command you off their body. Or for that person who's got uh, those stomach issues, uh, for the person with IBS, Lord, I speak to that stomach peace in Jesus' name. Just put your hand in the body part and right now and just receive it. You're in that river. You're seeing Jesus and say this healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. Again, this healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. Thank you, Lord. We love you. 
We're expecting good things. Mary, you got a word you said? So uh, just in regards to the healing side of things, I just saw uh, people with a scab over a boo-boo. And I saw the scab coming off. And, um, and I feel like it was for people who have had that disappointment, yeah. you know, that, man, they just like kind of uh, had that disappointment because God didn't do what you thought he should do. <laughs> and, um, and so I just saw that scab coming off today. So, God, we just thank you for that. We thank you for this. The scab's coming off. Let the scab come off. It has to come off. It can't hang on forever. We've all had that scab that hang on, hung on forever when you're a child, and it hurts, <laughs> right? And so, um, so, yeah, so just praise Jesus for that. The second thing I wanted to say was um, we, I wanted to uh, release a word about rebooting, and um, I had gotten a word from somebody that that I was being rebooted. And then this week, I talked to somebody else who, they're like, man, the only word I can just think of what we're going through is reboot, reboot. And so, um, and then this morning, I felt like one of my musicians came in rebooted also, and just kind of was with um, almost just like fresh and new, you know, and so I want to release that over you guys because I feel like uh, several things along with this word, but when you reboot, um, it's kind of like, you know, if you think about your computer and uh, when you reboot, it kind of like clean, you, you know, you like clean it out and everything like um, refreshes. And so all the stuff that didn't belong there and all the stuff that needed to be kind of shut down and that was kind of making you lag is now fallen off. And so that is kind of one thing is as you're being rebooted, those, those things that have been lagging you down have uh, been, fall, been falling off. And the other thing is um, I think some people, I was just thinking about when you reboot your, um, your Internet and how you got to wait for each light, you know, to come on and stuff. And I felt like um, there's some people here that you're rebooted, you've rebooted, but you're like at the first light. And so it's like, okay, like you don't forget everything. Like the computer doesn't forget things. Like it's all on the hard drive. Um, <clears throat> and so it's just that the old stuff isn't there anymore. So as you're rebooting, you're not going to forget everything that God showed you, everything that you learned. But it's just kind of coming up as a, ref a refresher. And um, I'm trying to put words to it. <laughs> Bear with me. But um, the third thing is, is I feel like there's uh, people who have been in a tension place kind of place. And that reboot word is really refreshing to them because they have been in that tension place. And they know that something is coming. And they're anticipating something new and something fresh. They just don't have direction for it. And if that's you, I just want you to come down and stand in the front quickly. Say it again what it's for. Yeah, so if you have kind of been in this place where you're, there's like tension because you know that there's something new, you just don't know what it is. It's just you're just frustrated a little bit, you know, and, um, but you don't have full direction. And I'm going to ask the ministry teams and the staff to just come behind you guys and just start laying hands on you as well. But um, I'm just going to pray a prayer over you. And if you have anything to add to it, 
But um, so just, just get in receiving mode right now. I'll wait for a couple seconds here. Some more people are coming down. So Jesus, God, we thank you for the reboot. And you guys in, the, in your chairs too, if you, if you want this reboot word. Um, God, we thank you for rebooting us. We thank you for just taking off all those things that are, are vying for our attention that really is not in your will. It's not in the center of your will for our journey. Lord, we just thank you for taking all of that off, removing the, the things that are lagging us. And um, God, we thank you for just a refreshing, a refreshing, a fresh start. And every person in here that is feeling that tension in the spirit, tension in the natural, they need direction. Um, God, we just, we just ask right now for that spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of might to come over them right now in the name of Jesus. Come and fall, 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 fall right on their heads and their hearts, head to the heart, heart to the head. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you speak to us spirit to spirit, and we receive that right now, right now. And so, God, we just ask you for visions, even as they're standing here right now, that they would, they would um, come away from this altar today having met with you, having met with you face to face. Thank you, Jesus. So open our eyes in a greater way, a greater measure. Open our ears in a greater way, a greater measure. And God, we just thank you that you speak to us. You give us direction. Holy Spirit, you were made just for that, just to speak to us and just to guide us and say what Jesus is saying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And I just pray that every door that is supposed to be open would fling wide right now. Every door that's supposed to shut would shut tightly in the name of Jesus. And when the answer comes, we, we aren't going to be offended. We're going to remember that we ask you for the answer. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And I just pray for people, uh, the right connections and the right places at the right time for whatever is ahead. Lord, that even if it's somebody in this room that's supposed to connect with somebody else, we're, we're always a doorway for one another in um, certain situations. And so, God, we just thank you for divine connections, divine intervention. Thank you, God. And we just thank you for old habits that are not good habits that are falling to the wayside right now. And we thank you that every, uh, everything that's uh, vying for our attention... You know, I had a dream the other day, and I woke up, and um, I had this phrase, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And so, God, we just say everything we say yes to, we are going to follow through with. And everything that we say no to, that you say no to, we are going to follow through with. Yet your, let your yes be yes and your no be no. God, we just thank you. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for scabs being removed today. We thank you for fresh Fresh, fresh, fresh skin, fresh thoughts, fresh sounds, fresh, uh, fresh information directly from the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. If you guys want to stay down here, you can just spend time with the Lord. Um, and uh, also, if you do not know Jesus, and today you want to turn your life over to him, we want to make this space available for you as well. We have some uh, altar workers. If you guys, ministry team, want to kind of come and line up here. If uh, you need healing in your body 
And if you want salvation, you want to give your life to Jesus, this is your day. He's standing here with open arms, and he loves you so much. And he's excited just to have you come into this family. And so, is that it? That's good. We bless you guys. Next couple of weeks, we're going to be helping you overcome unbelief. It's going to be uh, really good stuff. It's not going to be more prayer and fasting in case that scares you away. But um, 